Grab genommen bedauert. Talking like that from now on. Give it time. Give it time. Said, Diamond, you pull yourself out. Yeah. How did your monkeys get in here anyway? He's back. <laughs> Not going to wake, Ziggy, but uh, keep him with you. Hey, wait a minute. Oh. 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 You know, uh, can you hear me, Diamond? Uh, he don't like it. He's going to be hard to get along with. Don't him across the ears. He'll listen. Oh. Then put him to sleep, Ziggy. 
Nighty night time. He didn't have to say nighty night. It was only two o'clock in the afternoon. He tapped me once more with a galvanized sleeping pill and tucked me away for a rest. The next thing I knew, a pair of gray suede gloves were patting my sore face. Maybe he didn't want to leave any fingerprints on my bruises. Mr. Diamond, Mr. Diamond, can you hear me? Oh, oh you know, this, this can get monotonous. Go away. Should I call the police, Mr. Diamond? What? Oh. Oh, I, I was expecting uglier company. Could you sit up? I'm getting some of your blood on my shoes. That's tough. I'll turn it off. I'll bet your name's Barton. Why, that's right. How did you know? I'm lucky. Now get out of here. But I want to talk to you. I just had one long conversation, but it was too one-sided. Go on. My health is doubtful, but it's fun to have it around for company. Maybe $500 would pick you up? That might, for a while. But I don't like to waste that kind of money on funerals. Seven fifty. So they line the coffin with velvet. A thousand. Uh, you're begging to make a short life sound practical. If you do the job successfully, there'll be another thousand. You just bought yourself a corpse. Let me wash up. Talk some more. I can hear you. It's my son, Roger. He thinks he killed a man. He thinks. What do you want me to do? Find out for sure so he can brag about it? Ever heard of a John Alter? Sure. Walt Levinson sent him up five years ago on a manslaughter rap. Well, he doesn't like it up there, and he'd like to get out. I don't blame him. What's this got to do with your son? I'm chairman of the parole board. Oh, you look much better now, Mr. Diamond. I can't stand the sight of blood. It doesn't bother me. It happens every week. So, uh, you're the chairman of the parole board. Yes, some of Alter's friends promised to keep quiet about my son. If I let Alter go free when he comes up before the board next mm-hmm. week. Mm-hmm. And you think maybe your son was framed? Yes, about a month ago, he met a girl in Florida. Her name is Lenore Brown, and she's a friend of Alter's. How did they spring the frame? I beg your pardon. You must associate with a higher type thug. Spring the frame. Made it look like your son killed somebody. Oh. Oh. Well, when Roger, that's my son, went to pick up the Lenore girl at her apartment, he found her struggling with some man. That happened. It looked like he was trying to kill her. There was a gun on the floor, and she called to Roger for help. He picked up the gun and shot the man. She told Roger he had killed him and that he must get out. When we went back, they were both gone. About a month later, some of Alter's friends got in touch with me. Oh, and they forget about the killing if you let Alter out of Sing Sing. That's right. I don't remember reading anything about it in the papers. Well, you're the first one outside of Alter and his friends who know anything about it. You see, they say they're hiding the corpus delecti so there was no report of the murder. Keeping a stiff handy isn't that easy. Why didn't you call the law? If my son did kill this man, that's the first thing I intend doing. But I have a feeling this man is not dead. Oh, you, uh, you think maybe they staged the killing? Put blanks in the gun and after your son beat it, the stiff walked out under his own steam? That's what I want you to find out. If my son is innocent, I want you to bring the parties responsible to justice. Amen. It's a check for a thousand dollars. If you find the girl and prove my son innocent, there'll be another thousand in your pocket. I'll sort the holes. Well, thanks, Mr. Barton. I'll start right away. Goodbye, Mr. Diamond. You can reach me at the Wentworth Hotel. I'm staying there until this matter gets cleared up. I won't get in touch with you unless I find something. The guys who worked me over are pretty set in their ways, and there's no sense in you tripping over a lot of dead bodies. I looked at the thousand-dollar check and thought about the beating the two polite gunsels had given me. This was a toss-up. If I'd spent a thousand like I knew I would, I'd be dead anyway. The two goons were probably still hanging around my building, and if they spotted me, they'd guess I'd taken the job. When I get more than ten bucks in my pocket, I smile all over. 
I went out the back way and through the alley. Had to start somewhere, so I headed for the 5th Precinct Police Station. When you're looking for a killer, homicide, you got all the roadmaps on murder. An old friend and ex-partner was in charge. The men who worked at the tail called him Lieutenant Levinson, but he had a couple of friends who still called him Walt. I was one of them. You earned that right when you worked for a guy for six years. After I left the force, Walt started doing a solo, but he now had a sergeant who stumbled around after him. His name was Otis, and he had the biggest seat in the state of New York. Every time he took off his shoes, I wanted to grab a champagne bottle and launch them. I don't think he liked me. When I walked in, his face always looked like an advertisement for a sour stomach. Well, Richard Diamond, private detective. Well, Sergeant Otis, homicide's answer to the missing link. What was that last word? Well, you're half safe. I said link. Walden? Yeah. You turn the knob and you push. Why don't you get that uniform cleaned? Some dad's going to get up and walk to the station without you. Well, hello, Rick. If you got... Hmm. You get tired changing your face every day. Somebody shove you around again? Been catching up on my patty cake, Walt. Tell me, did you uh, ever know a bit of fluff named Lenore Brown? Sure, John Alder's expense account. Used to hold hands before I send him up. Know where I can find it? Alder's still got her staked out. And in these stir, he's going to come back and dig up the claim. You better forget about it. She's got the antidote for lonely nights, but some of Alder's boys are protecting it. I know, yeah. They gave me a pep talk this afternoon. Then listen to him. Better watching the game from the bench. Oh, you never can tell. I might make a score. Well, you're outweighed, outclassed, and liable to be outlived. She used to work at the Black Swan in Florida. Her daughter was trying to get a parole, and she came to New York to be close to him. Any line on her here in town? No, but if she's seeing older, you might spot her on a business day. And now, look, Rick, why don't you stop chasing two-bit thugs and come back on the force? I never had Otis and you working together. You know how I feel about that, Walt. I'm a restless guy. Sometimes I like to sleep late in the morning. Okay, Rick. Want me to call the warden and tell him you're coming? Yeah, thanks, Walt. Take it easy. Bye, Rick. Be a good boy. Yes, Paul. Mr. Richard Diamond, you see, Warden. Oh, send him in. You can go on in, Mr. Diamond. Thanks, Paul. Well, Rick, how are you? It's been a long time. I know a lot of guys who wouldn't like to hear that, Warden. How are you, Jim? Just great. What's on your mind? I hear Johnny Alter's been having company. I'd like to take a look at her. Oh, Miss Brown. Well, I can't blame you. I just want to spot her and see where she goes. You can't miss. If she walks through the yard, there'd be a jailbreak tomorrow. What time of visiting hours? Well, if she's seeing Alter today, she should be downstairs right now. Pardon me, sir. Yes, Warden. Paul, is Lenore Brown coming today? Yes, she has, Warden. She's in seeing Alter right now. Thanks, Paul. She's downstairs, Rick. Like to take a look? Yeah. I'll have Paul take it down. And, uh, I second thought I'd go myself. There she is. Sitting at the end table talking to Alda. Oh. Now I know why Alda needs a lot of money. She's wearing enough of me to carpet Radio City. <laughs> you should get a load of her on a warm day. Coat doesn't stop me. She'd show up, even if she's wearing a tent. How long has she got with Alder? About another five minutes. Gordon, maybe I'll let you put me away for a couple of years. If something like that to look forward to on Visitor's Day, I might go for the change. Well, you'd get tired of just talking. <laughs> Think what you could do on the outside. Yeah, I am, but it would probably send me right back up here. You want to stick around until she's through talking? Thanks, Jim. I, I'll wait in front till she comes out. 
I hung her on by the big gray buildings until she came out. She walked over to a long white convertible and got in. Now I know what the guy meant when he wrote, Ask the man who owns one. I decided to let her buy me a new fuse, and I walked over to the car. Uh, going to town? Oh? Back up three feet, and I'll let you know. Okay? Mm-hmm. Your tailor couldn't do all of that. Fine. Get in. Yeah, yeah, the warden's an old friend. How many years did you know him? Uh-uh, uh-uh, baby. I've been going home every night all my life. Every night? Mm, almost. What do you do with the almost? Depends. Everybody likes something different. You must get tired since you have new ideas. Oh, I don't think much. It's more fun being surprised. What are you stopping for? We just got started. Surprise? Oh, yeah. And the nickel-plated one. Look, baby, you don't have to pull a gun. If I'm getting fresh, I'll get out and walk. You sit right there, Diamond. Oh, name dropper. Mm-hmm. Expecting company? Mm-hmm, and you've met them before, honey. That's nice. I wouldn't want you to get stuck with the introduction. That's your friends coming along in that car? It could be. I'll hold real still. And I'm going to you this time. Sometimes you're lucky. When the dame's got a gun on you. You don't stand much of a chance unless she's got her mind on something else. This one did. And when she looked up in the rearview mirror to make sure it was her boy, I tagged her. My two playmates were just sitting up in the green sedan when I went out of the car like a dry transmission. He let go just as I dived off the side of the road and hit the center embankment. I rolled to the bottom and came up looking like an exhibit for smallpox. He's down the hill. Go get him, Ziggy. There was a line of trees just off to the right, and I got to them just as Ziggy tried again. He needed a rifle. I was running through the trees then, and I could hear Ziggy somewhere behind me falling all over himself. I pulled my gun and thought about waiting for him. I could give him so many holes he'd whistle in a high wind, but I had another idea. I stopped and listened. He's around here somewhere. Well, come on, we'll spread out. That toy's right down the middle. They were somewhere behind me, and both of them were looking. Me a million hands off. I got on a new suit. Oh, oh my deepest apologies, Tina. I thought you was diamond. Can't you tell the difference, Ziggy? He's got on a blue suit. Oh, I'm a little colorblind. Uh, now let's find diamond. They started hunting again, and I cut off to my left and headed back to the highway. I reached the hill that sloped down from the highway, and I went up fast. The cars were about a hundred yards down the road, and I used my last lung getting there. Lenore was still out, just like I'd left her when I put her to sleep. I went over to the Gunsel's car and lifted the hood. Chino and Ziggy could apologize all night while they looked for a new distributor. I went back to the white convertible with the unconscious nylons and got in. I noticed something lying on the seat. It was her purse, and she didn't wake up when I grabbed it. Doing a rummage job at 80 miles an hour isn't easy. But there wasn't much of interest anyway, just a little black book. I needed a gimmick, so I stuck it in my pocket. I put the purse back on the seat just as she started coming around. Oh. Ah, now that's it, baby. Sit up and look at the pretty scenery. How did you get here? Where's you going to? Playing Peter Pan. Hmm. Jaw her? Yes, you. Play her off and you get hurt. Where do I take you? Uh, my apartment, I guess. 
You're going to ask a lot of questions, and I don't talk much. You might as well figure out something to fill in the wrong. I drove to her place on East 51st and walked it to the door. She looked at me like a fat woman eyeing a French pastry, and her mouth slipped down to her shoelaces when I gave her a peck on the cheek and left her standing with an old front doorknob in her hand. I knew she wasn't going to spill anything, even if I got her drunk. Besides, she could probably drink Tony Galeno under the table and still be sober enough to play hopscotch. I went back to the office and took out her little black book. There were a lot of names, and some of them I knew. Chino, and Astrid, likes his work. And Ziggy, and after his name, has only done. Yeah, yeah, Richard Diamond, too. I never did figure out what the three stars were for. I'd forgotten all about my date with Helen when the phone rang. Yeah? Hello, Rich. Oh, what the... No, uh, this is Fong Wu's front chop shop for you, Pyra. Well, Fong Wu called Mr. Richard Diamond at the phone chop shop. He's got a date and she doesn't like being stood up. Hello, Helen. Hi. What was all that about? Forget you had a date with me? Yeah, yeah, I did. And I'm sorry, baby, but right now I, I'm being chased like a hopped-up fox. I haven't had time to curl up and relax. You're impossible. I know it, I know it. Mm. Won't your sorority pen back? Well... I'll make up my mind when you get here. I'll give you my Lone Ranger magic decoder. <laughs> you fool. <laughs> Are you still going steady? Oh. Rick, what am I going to do? Oh, honey, right now I got some reading to do. Why don't you go to a movie? Little Women Past the Senses. I'll be over later. I'll probably end up marrying an usher. Don't be too late, Rick. I won't. Besides, we get along better early in the morning. Bye. Bye, baby. I sat there for a minute thinking about Helen Asher and wondering why I hadn't learned how to butter my bread. She was everything a guy should want. Ten million dollars playing multiplication in a fat trust fund. A figure that would snarl at any quiet intersection. And a mind that would give a master's degree an inferiority complex. Diamond, you fool, you. Well, Lenora Brown's little black book was a poor substitute for an evening with Helen, but three items put me in second gear. They weren't hard to find. Take out all the men's names, and there they were, three addresses. One was in the village, another in Harlem, and the last was somewhere in Chinatown. All of them were set up for a dead man who wanted to make himself scarce. I wanted to talk with Barton before I started hunting, so I called the Wentworth. out, got back in the cab, and marked off Greenwich Village in the little black book. The second address was on the fringe of Harlem, the hill, they call it. The night was black, and the fog had rolled in off the East River and staked out a claim all the way to Lenox Avenue. As I walked up to the old brownstone, my nerves started screaming SOS. I stopped cold and looked down at two gleaming eyes, like two pieces of polished glass shining in the glare of the dim street lamp. As I got used to the darkness, I could make him out. He was a big, white, battle-scarred bulldog. And he had some ideas of his own. He started shuffling in slowly, jerking back his lips and showing a row of white teeth. Hold it, Lucifer. I hadn't heard him come out on the porch. He was a big man wearing an off-white undershirt. And from what I could see, he looked meaner than his dog. The animal stopped, but he kept facing me, showing off his toothpaste smile. You won't hurt you, mister. Unless I tell him to. 
I'll think about it for a while. I'm a poor substitute for horse meat. What do you want? Do you know Lenore Brown? You a cop? Shamus. Feed it, Lucifer. <laughs> Thanks, pal. I couldn't hold my breath much longer. You can come up on the porch. You're looking for Lenore Brown, huh? Yeah, know her? I met her. My wife works for her. Is your wife in? Yeah. Esther! Come here. Some private dick wants to talk to you. She's Miss Brown's private maid. Yeah. Your husband tells me you work for Miss Brown. Yeah, what's she done? She got many friends? Many friends. Yeah. You know a dark man with a scar? Oh, sure. I know lots of them. What are you talking about, woman? Oh, I, uh, I met someone who Miss Brown knows. What did you mean by that, mister? Look, I really don't know anybody with a scar. Now you better be. Yeah. Get moving. I want to talk to you, woman. I knew she was going to get bruised, but he looked rough enough to cut my windpipe, and I wanted someplace to pour my coffee down in the morning. So I got out of there fast and headed for the last address in the little black book. The place was on one of those narrow, dark streets. It was so quiet you could hear yourself change your mind. A sign above the door read Tangy, so I pushed it open and went in. If I didn't find a man with a scar here, I was out on strikes. It was a little restaurant on the bottom floor of a two-story building. A quiet waiter slipped up and showed me to a booth. He shoved the menu in my hand and disappeared before I could ask him anything. The place was empty except for an old couple sitting near the door. The waiter said something to them and they looked quickly over at me. And then they left in a hurry. The room was completely empty now. Even the waiter had disappeared. I looked up at a flight of stairs at the far end of the room. A pair of very healthy ankles came into view. And they were holding up a pair of legs that ran my blood pressure up to 190 again. I eased my gun out and held it under the table. Lenore turned the corner and started down toward my booth like a loose snake in a rabbit pen. Mind if I sit down? Uh, it's your party. Shame on you. Don't you know it's not nice to pilfer a lady's handbag? Now, Mama will have to stop. Looks like the last address paid off. If you're buying shrouds, it did. Where's the guy that young Barton's supposed to have killed? Upstairs. But he's very unsociable. Keep long conversation. I only need a couple of lines. He can't even do that. He likes to keep on brooding. Old man Barton figures Alter framed his son. He's not going to let your boyfriend out of Sing Sing until he finds a man with a scar. Think he can do better than you did? Uh, I found him. Was it worth dying for? I don't know. I can tell you better after I talk to him. Mama's going to have to stand sooner than she expected. Come in, boys. Well, look who's here. Are Mama's two big idiots out collecting blood again? Where are your buckets? Oh, he's there. President! You've, um, you've met Tino and Ziggy before, haven't you? Yeah, on the end of a fist. They want to show you the town. I know the beat. I'll bet you've never seen it from the bottom of the East River. No, but if you'll put on a bathing suit, I might buy the idea. Uh, too bad we'll never make a beach together. I'd like to show you the sight. Boys, you better help Mr. Diamond out of the booth. I think he's stuck. You know how it is. The boys like to keep moving. So do I. I shot once and caught Ziggy in the stomach, and I dumped the table over on Chino. He grabbed like he was going to waltz with it. I didn't even have to get up. I just shot him through the cover shot. Lenore was out of the booth fast and running for the stairs. Look out, Tony, look out. 
I caught up with her at the foot of the stairs, and as she started up, I saw him standing on the upper landing, scar and all, all meaning gun in his hand. He missed me, but nailed her halfway up. She spun around and fell all over me. But I pointed a gun pretty good from the prone position. You should have kept your nose up, mister. A bad landing washes you out. I called Lieutenant Levinson, squared myself. Then homicide came down and cleaned things up. They were all dead, and I figured I never would reach the beach anyway. I phoned Barton, who took his son down to the morgue to look over the night's take. Young Barton identified the man with the scars, the one he thought he'd killed. They gave me the notch, and I made another call. This time to a pair of silk pajamas with an understanding heart. It was late, but I was hungry. Oh, good morning, Mr. Diamond. Isn't it rather late to be calling? You know something? You're right, Francis. It's 2 a.m. Time for all good butlers to be betty by. Miss Helen is in the library, but I'm not sure whether she wants to see you. Well, you just run along and get some sleep. I'll find out and let you know. Very good, sir. Confidentially, she's a bit confused. Look. Clean up, Mr. Diamond. Francis, if she gets tough with me, I'll knock her teeth out. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Francis, is that who I think it was? Oh. Hi. The food was cold a long time ago. So was my date. I'm sorry, honey. Oh, that's all right. The fire's almost burned down. It's two o'clock in the morning, Mr. Diamond. I've sat through two features of Tom and Jerry in the fourth chapter of Batman, Hot the Crate. Ah, come on, don't scold, Eddie. I haven't been weeks, but I've been listening this for the past two hours, and you're going to listen. That's another thing. Never came when I wanted to. Or even I got you on the carpet. That sounds like fun. I'll stop doing this. If you'd be the one minute, you'd be the one minute. I'll tell you the face of the sunshine. Put on a great big smile. Now, try that and listen to me. Okay? Okay, I'll shut up. Well, go on. You made me forget what I was going to say. Well, you can't remember, honey. Hold a good thought. It's a big, wide, wonderful view When you're in love, you're a master Of all you today, you're a gay fantasy I just remember Too late now, honey, I'm rolling There's a brave new Star-spangled sky above you When you're in love, you're a fool previously released over the National Broadcasting Company for listeners in the United States and has been re-released to you men and women overseas by the United States Armed Forces Radio Service, the voice of information and education. Dick Powell as Richard Diamond, Private Detective. Hello, 
It's five o'clock in New York City, and the big neon signs light up the dark office that overlooks Broadway on the corner of 53rd Street. Behind a second-hand mahogany desk, relaxing in a swivel chair, is the leading figure of the Diamond Detective Agency, combination stockholder, office boy, and clue chaser. He is Richard Diamond, and his mind is on a lovely redhead named Helen Asher as she sits on a couch talking about things he likes to hear. At this moment, however, another scene is taking place in the wealthy district of Long Island. A long black convertible is just pulling up to an old English mansion, and a curvaceous blonde steps from the car. She is met at the door by her brother. Well, good evening, my dear sister. You're looking simply ravishing. How would you know the difference? Oh, drop dead. You disgusting excuse for a man. Why don't you sober up for five minutes and take a look at yourself? I did once. Oh, by the way, our dear stepfather would like to see you in the study. Tell him to go. I already did. Now it's your turn. I don't want to. Now get out of my way, Chris. Mm, Suit yourself. But Murray Lang's in there with him. Murray? Hmm? Did I start your heart going pity-pat? Oh, shut up. (laughs) You better go in and protect your money, darling. Bye, jailbird. Sot. I don't care what your plans are. They concern my daughter, and that's enough for me to put a stop to you're not going to put a stop to anything. You can't intimidate me, Lang. You're just a cheap, no-good gangster, and your methods are too well-known to frighten me. Come in! Oh, hello, Liz. Hello, Murray. I'm glad you're here, Elizabeth. Mr. Lang and I were just discussing your future. I'm surprised you put up with it this long, Murray. Come on, let's leave my dear stepfather until he simmers down. Elizabeth, I want to talk to you. Well, I don't want to talk to you. Let's go, Murray. Listen to what he has to say. Maybe you'll get a laugh out of it. Well, what is it? I've just been talking with Lang about your intention to marry him. I have advised him that if such a thing were to take place, it would result in the most serious of consequences. Is that all? No, that is not all. When you got into your trouble with the police, my dear stepdaughter, you were paroled in my custody. If I should report to the board that you had violated the terms of your probation, you would most certainly go to prison. Why, you... What's the matter? Aren't you satisfied with the salary you collect for taking care of Mother's estate? How dare you, you little snip! You look bigger behind a desk. Well, just yell and scream all you want to. After Monday, you better start looking for another source of income. You know very well it's not the money. But your greasy boyfriend here would certainly like to get his hands on it. Look, you, I don't give a hang if you are a midget. I'm not going to stand here and listen to you. Murray. No, baby, I won't take it. I'll wring his scrawny little neck. Go on, Lang, go on. It would give me the greatest of pleasure to call the police and have you locked up. I'll fix it so you won't have a head to call anyone with. Murray, leave him alone. Can't you see that's what he wants? Yes, well, Mr. Lang. Come on, Liz, let's get some fresh air. I want to say one more thing. Just remember, Father, my probation expires Monday. After that, you won't control any part of my income, so you better start getting packed. And if I report you to the probation board in the morning? I wouldn't. If you do that, you'll not only stop being my guardian, but you'll stop breathing. Get out. Get out, both of you. Come on, Murray. Try to intimidate me. I'll make them both sorry. Detective. Detectives. Private detectives, yes, yes. Ah, here's one. Full-page ad must be doing very well. Richard Diamond, private detective. If you've got a case, share it with me. Richard Diamond. Seven, seven, eight, eight, eight. Yeah? Mr. Diamond? That's right. I want to hire you for a few days. Oh, you saw the ad. Well, it just so happens I'm available. I can't tell you much over the phone, too many extensions in the house, but it's about my daughter. I'm afraid she's going to get herself into some serious trouble. Well, how old is she? Twenty. 
Tell her to wait a year. My name is Chase, Ralph Chase. I live at 82 Maple Drive, Sands Point. Will you come out this evening? $100 a day and dibs on the icebox. I'll see you about eight. Goodbye, Mr. Diamond. What was that all about, Rick? Oh, got a job, baby. When do you start? Oh, yes, you're right. No, Rick. You can start it in the morning. You can't break another one tonight. Now, come on, Helen, baby. A job's a job. And a date's a date. I won't let you break this one. Your car downstairs? Yes, but I can drive myself home. Please, Rick. You promised you wouldn't break another one. Keys in it? Yeah, look. I want to hire you to protect me for this evening. Mm. I've been receiving mysterious phone calls, and I'm in fear of my life. Really? You've got to take the job. Old friends come first. I'll have to get home and shave before I start working. You mean you'll take it? After 12.30. Bye, baby. You beast. Oh, you must be getting tired from driving that big car around all day. Grab a cab, honey. It'll give you some rest. I'll take good care of your car. What? Want a buck for the cab? Huh? No, no. On second thought, you only live about 25 blocks. Walk will do you good. Rick. Deep breathing all the way up Fifth Avenue. Nothing like it. Bye, baby. Oh! On the way to the car, I thought about Helen. The most wonderful girl in the world. Money, looks. But she had one bad fault. She wanted to get married. I got into the big sedan and headed for my apartment. I'd been up late the night before with a blonde singer, and I was feeling tired. Funny how things change. My nights in college were just as busy, but at one o'clock the next afternoon, I was out playing football. I faced facts pretty well, so when I got home, I took a nap. I slept until seven and got up and dressed. I drove Helen's car out to Long Island... And at 8 o'clock sharp, I was ringing the doorbell of the Chase Mansion. It was a big house, all right. If they built another one like it, Long Island would sink. Well, to someone at me chamber door. My name's Chris. Boo. Blow your booze some other direction. Your breath would wither a lung. My alcoholic exhalations are composed of the finest ingredients. You must have a weak stomach. Look, if you'll just stagger out of the way, I'd like to see Mr. Chase. Dead or alive? What? Nothing. I was just thinking out loud. Well, go right ahead. And after you talk with my stepfather, you can find me in the bar. <laughs> You'll probably wind up like I am. That's a sweet thought. Where can I find your stepfather? Probably in the library, lying in my money. I left him leaning against the front door, gagging on the fresh air. I wandered down a long hallway and a big sitting room, furnished with enough antiques to make the Metropolitan Museum give up in shame. There was something about the place... A heavy quietness, like a bar of gold in a dark room. The shot had come from up ahead, and I tried a couple of doors before I found the room. Mr. Chase! Mr. Chase! In here! In here! Mr. Chase? Yes, yes. Come in and shut the door. I looked over at Ralph Chase crouching behind a desk. He got up slowly, all five feet of him. And I tagged him for a guy who would give $1,000 for every inch you could put on his legs. He looked like he could afford to be a mile high. The tall French windows were open at the back of the room, and you could still smell burning cordite. Someone tried to shoot me from the garden. Yeah, I heard the shot. You must be Diamond. That's right. Don't you think you better shut the French doors and pull the drapes before someone takes another shot? Yes, yes, very good idea. Uh, you pull the dime, the shade, Diamond. Hey, you can start earning your money right now. You're a little excited, but I'll start to work. All right. Oh, be careful, he might still be out there. Well, I doubt it. I can't see anyone out here. Oh, he just missed me. 
You can see where the bullet hit the wall. I jumped and hid behind the desk. Didn't you hear him on the porch? No, he must have stood in the soft grass that surrounds the garden. That's a good ten feet from the house. You're lucky he didn't move in closer. He probably wouldn't have missed. Got any idea who it was? Of course, it was Murray Lang. Murray Lang? The gambler? Yes, do you know him? Well, I used to be on the force. Set him up six years ago on a larceny rap. Then you know what he's like. He was in the house this afternoon. We had an argument and he threatened me. An argument with your daughter? Yes, about my daughter. How'd you know? Well, you told me she was getting herself into trouble. She couldn't have picked a better playmate than Lang to get there with. Father, we heard a shot. Not really. Oh, let's go. He's not dead. My stepchildren, Mr. Diamond. Oh, well, lovely. I'm quite alive, so you can both stop looking so unhappy. Does it show? Come on, sis. Let's find the guy who fired that shot. I want to give him a few pointers. Where's Murray Lang, Miss Chase? Yes, he's the man you want. I'm sure he Don't tried... be absurd. Murray left three hours ago. What are you, a cop? Does it show? You're wearing too much cologne. Come on, Chris. <laughs> oh, she's nice. That's Elizabeth. The boy's her brother, Chris. I'd hate to draw straws. I married their mother and raised those two brats after she died. The courts appointed me executor of this state. They don't like you handling their money, is that it? Yes. Since they've been old enough to ask for 50 cents to go to a movie, they've condemned me for watching their interests. You, uh, you said you were worried about your stepdaughter. Tell me about it. I'll make it brief. Hate long explanations. Elizabeth got into some trouble with the police. Hit and run. She had been drinking. The man died. Liz was sentenced to a year in Folsom. But I got her off on probation. Oh, what do you want me to do? Drive around with her and spoil her aim? Monday the probation expires. She says she is then going to marry this hoodlum, Murray Lang. And you don't want that because you think he's after her money? Exactly. When she marries, the will reads that I shall, as executor, turn over half of the estate to Elizabeth. What about Christopher? He looked irresponsible when he was born. His mother left instructions that he should not receive his share until he is 35. That's another eight years. Well, your uh, stepdaughter's old enough to know what she's doing. I can't see how you can stop her. That's what I want you to do. And if I do, you'd be in a pretty good spot. What do you mean, Mr. Diamond? You continue as executor. I can understand you thinking something like that, but believe me, as much as I dislike my stepchildren, I wish to keep them in line for their late mother's sake. Oh. Well, Mr. Chase, I'll, I'll take a look around outside. Maybe I can come up with something that'll point out the would-be killer. If it was Lang, you can stop worrying uh, about Elizabeth. Sing Sing doesn't boast a wedding chapel. I went out through the French doors and started looking around on the soft grass that bordered the garden. I had a fat hunch, so I stopped looking and started wandering. I was halfway through the rose bed when I spotted them. It was Elizabeth and the man. In the darkness, I couldn't make him out, but Murray Lang was my best guess. They went up a narrow path to one of those Chinese pagodas at the far end of the garden. And I slipped up close enough to give my ears a workout. It was Lang, all right. I don't care what you think. I didn't take a shot at the old man. Then who did? He's got a policeman in there now, and he's going to start trouble. Let him. I'm clean. If it was that lushed-up brother of yours. Chris hates him, but he'd never try to kill him. Well, then stop hounding me. Maybe you took a shot at the old boy. Murray! Well, you got a good reason. I'm tired trying to buck the whole Chase household. If you love me, let's take off tonight and get married. Tell the old man to go to the devil. You can certainly wait till Monday. Yeah, but he won't. He's going to cause some kind of trouble and get you tossed into Folsom. He's not going to give up all that money just because you're through with your probation. He probably cooked up that shooting to, just to get the cops here. Murray, what's going to happen to us? Oh, ask your stepfather. He's been doing your thinking for you. I don't have to. We'll get married Monday. Okay. 
I'm staying clear of this place till then. But what if there's more trouble? I haven't got anyone to turn to. You worry about it, baby. I got a police record that makes yours look like a merit badge. I was too good a target in the moonlight, so I started back up the walk to the house. As I passed a hedge, I noticed a funny-looking plant that was shoving its way out of the foliage. I'm sorry I did that. It was the Johnny Jump-Up variety. Black... The guy on the other end of the sap gave it to me right over the eyes, and I went down like a crapshooter making a pass. I rolled over and watched the moon melt and run down in my eyes. Something warm and sticky spread over my face and turned the night red. Yeah, I was bleeding again. I guess I showed signs of recovering, so he started all over. This time, he used his foot in my side. Oh. Oh. Oh, a couple more kicks in the ribs and in the right place, and he could have whipped up a fast course of Nola. I felt tired, so I rolled up in an old rose bush and went to sleep. When you finally start coming around, it's like swimming your way out of an acre of mud. If you've taken enough beatings before, you diagnose things in a hurry. The pain in your head is where you got sapped. The ache in your ribs is where he booted you. And the thought in your mind is, oh, it's something about an eye for an eye if you've got one left. I sat up slowly and looked around. No one in sight. My watch said 10 o'clock. I'd been out for an hour, and I was feeling lonely until I started to get up. I made it to one knee and looked down at the best reason I could think of for staying home nights. It was Murray Lang, and you couldn't blame him for staring. He wasn't impolite, just dead. Something on the walk beside him gleamed in the moonlight. I took out my handkerchief and scooped it up. It was a little nickel-plated 32. You could still smell the fresh powder in the barrel. I put it in my pocket and stumbled back to the house. Chris opened the door. Well, you shouldn't drink so much. I never get so loaded I look like that. Well, try it sometime. It might be an improvement. Boo. I told you once before not to do that. Now tell me, where were you ten minutes ago? I was in the bar. Who was with you? Red and green midgets. Now let go of my collar. Okay. Where's the phone? In the hall. Hey, what's going on? Who beat you up? Nobody. I always bleed like this on warm nights. Huh? Big pores. Homicide, Sergeant Otis talking. Who taught you how? Did you sit up nights with a parrot? Oh, very funny. Only one guy could think up a lousy joke like that. What do you want, Diamond? A picture of you. I'm going to show some doctors that mercy killing has its points. Now, let me speak to the lieutenant. Comic. Homicide, Lieutenant Levinson. Hello, Walt. This is Diamond. Oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Let me get the bicarbonate. What's the matter? I get stomach trouble every time you call. Go ahead. All right. I got a killing for you. I know it. I know it. Why can't you be a good boy and stop finding corpses? I'm out at Sands Point, 82 Maple Drive. I think I've got the murder weapon in my pocket. Who's dead? An old friend, Murray Lang, and you better step on it. There's a drunk staggering around the place, and he's liable to spot the body and put it in a cold shower to sober it up. Oh, all right, we'll be right out. Hold the fort. So Mr. Lang's dead. Hmm? You better stop sneaking up on people, Buster. And you'd better stop telling me what to do in my own house, Mr. Diamond. You sobered up pretty quick. I heard what you said about finding the murder weapon. May I see it? No. It stays in my pocket until homicide gets here. Whose gun is it? 
It's a 40-pound broadsword. Now, stop trying to look like a Chicago muscle man or I'll start slapping you... Oh, there you you are, Diamond. I've been looking for you. I... Scott, what happened to your face? Someone was giving away hints. Chris, did you have something to do with this? (laughs) Hardly. Mr. Diamond has a decided advantage over me. He has muscles. I'll be in the bar. What's happened? Where's Elizabeth? I don't know, but her boyfriend's got troubles. He he can't explain the hole in this chest. Lang, what do you mean? He's out in the garden. Someone shot him. Is he dead? Well, if he's not, he's trying awful hard. Then we'd better call the police. That's been taken care of. What kind of a gun do you own, Mr. Chase? You don't see... No, I don't. I just dig around till I come up with something. What kind of a gun do you own? Why, you're 45... Now, wait a minute, Diamond. If you've got any ideas about this murder, you'd better wait until the police get here. Now, look, Chase, I've been insulted in your house, had the air let out of my ego by your beautiful stepdaughter, and beat up in your garden. That's a full night's work, and now I'm on my own time. Where can I find Elizabeth? I don't know. She may be up in her room. Oh, where is it? End of the hall, head of the stairs, first door. Thanks. It's beginning to rain. What about Lang's body? Well, if he catches cold, call me. I went down the long hallway to the foot of a massive staircase. The only light was the one burning in the room I just left. I looked over at my sh- over my shoulder and saw Mr. Chase framed in its dim glow, watching me. In that moment, I thought who Chase reminded me of. A triangle hat, his hand in his vest, and Napoleon had a twin. I went up the stairs two at a time. Yes? Pardon me for barging in, but some guy in the garden just beat all the bashfulness out of me. How dare you? You get out of my room. You better put on something a little warmer, honey. That thing would start a Harry Carey epidemic in Boston. What do you want? Yeah. What did you do after Lang left you in the garden? What? Big ears. I overheard everything you said. I see someone pushed your face around. It's an improvement. Did Murray catch you eavesdropping? Well, if he did, he won't have much time to gloat. What do you mean? If you've done anything to Murray... Aren't you getting ready for bed a little early? I don't know what you want. I don't have to answer any of your ridiculous questions. Now, if you don't turn around and get out of here... What's the matter, baby? The drawer empty? Hmm. Lose something? No. Maybe this is it. Where did you get that gun? It was lying in the garden beside your boyfriend's body. Beside it? That's it, lover. Now sit down and relax. Is Murray dead? Like Jimmy Fiddler's gossip column. Didn't you hear anything after Murray left you? Oh, no. I was crying. I ran back to the house and came up here. Is there another way back to the house besides the path that Murray took? It's one that leads to those outside doors. I... I came right to my room. Please leave me alone. This is your gun, isn't it? Yes, but I didn't do it. I didn't. Murray and I were going to be married Monday. Ballistics will probably show it's the one that did the job. You better tell me everything you know. I don't know anything. I didn't shoot Murray. Someone stole my gun from the drawer. Oh, please find out who did it. If they hold me, I'll go to prison anyway. Please, Mr. Diamond, please. It's going to be tough if this is the gun. I'm pretty sure it is. You could still smell the powder when I... The powder... What's the matter, Mr. Diamond? Huh? Oh. Oh, nothing, nothing. Look, uh, you stay in your room. Maybe I can do you some good. I promise you'll stay here. Sure. I'm not going anyplace. Ah, and try and snap out of it. Sometimes you keep losing until there's nothing left to play with. It breaks the jinx. I went downstairs and started looking for Chase. As I passed the doors leading to the garden, I stopped cold. A flash of lightning turned the garden flat white. 
someone was standing over what was left of Murray Lang. Well, like the view? Oh, diamond. I was just looking at the body. I talked with your daughter. She says the gun that killed Lang was hers. What? Claims they had an argument, but won't admit she shot him. Oh, I can't believe it. Certainly she had no reason, unless... Unless what? Well, unless she found out Lang was just after her money. Well, that's uh, that's possible. Anyway, if she did do it, I still can't figure who worked me over. Maybe it was Lang. You told me yourself he didn't like you. Maybe it was Elizabeth. Oh, no. It would have to be somebody very strong. She might have kicked you, but never could she have hit you hard enough to crack your head open like that. Yeah. Uh, uh, tell me, when does Elizabeth come into her money? Why, at the end of the probation. The court set it aside until she was cleared of all charges. Who gets it if she goes to prison? Well, I'm the sole executor of the state, but she's not going to jail. She didn't do this thing. I'll get the best counsel in the country. I'm sure you will. Uh, tell me something, Chase. It's pretty obvious that my face got pushed around, but uh, how did you know my ribs got the same treatment? What? It doesn't show. It just hurts. Why, I... Uh, well, you told me. Mm-mm. What are you getting at, Diamond? You'd have to reach pretty high to sap me, but if you were mad enough, you could make it. This is absurd. I'm going inside. And when I get grouchy, it's better to listen. I'm liable to use you to make the flowers grow. Go ahead, Mr. Diamond. I'm listening. Well, everybody in this house has some sort of motive for killing. With Elizabeth, it could be the old story of a woman scorned. With your lushed-up stepson, he could want to put the blame on his sister so he'd get more than his share of the estate. And we certainly know you stand to profit if Elizabeth goes to prison... Because you retain custody of the family fortune. I'm getting wet, Mr. Diamond. Everybody's story's weak, but only one of them doesn't stand up. You said earlier this evening someone tried to shoot you from outside your library. Of course they did. You have the shot and saw the bullet hole. That's right, I did. But you told me he was standing outside the room by a good ten feet. Nothing to say, Chase? You're trying to catch me up in something. Oh, you are so right. Now, when I walked into that room, I could still smell burning cordite. To smell fresh gunpowder like that, the gun would have have to have been fired outside the room. You staged it, so I'd think someone was trying to kill you. Is that all, Mr. Diamond? Outside of the slip you made about kicking me in the ribs. Now, let's go inside. I don't think so, Diamond. Oh. Oh, that the forty-five you were telling me about? Yes. Go ahead, make a try for it. I'm going to show you how it works. You kill Lang with your stepdaughter's gun, and you're going to collect the money if she goes to prison. Oh, you're a slob. My stepdaughter could easily kill two men tonight. You're in a spot. You can't shoot me with that forty-five and make it look like the same person killed Lang, too. So you've got to get the thirty-two in my pocket. Give me Elizabeth's gun, Diamond. You try and get it, Chase. Why, you... Rick! Rick, are you out there? Better give it up, Chase. That's the law. He eats little men like you. Rick! Stay right there, Diamond. Another killing won't matter if you try and stop me. For Pete's sake, if you're out there, Rick, answer me. I'm getting soaked. Just keep your mouth closed, Diamond. I'm getting out of here. You'll never make a chase. They'll pick you up inside of an hour. Not if you're too dead to tell them. Yes, that's it. If I kill you, I'll eat at least have a... You should watch your step, Chase. Keep your head down, Lieutenant. Somebody's mad. Shut up, Otis, and get out from under that bench. Rick! Over here, Walt. What's going on, Rick? Who's doing all the shooting? Oh, he took turns. He was just going to kill me when he tripped over the body of his first victim. I used this 32 in my pocket, shot him twice. He's dead, Lieutenant. Give me my baking soda, Otis. Hey, yeah, Lieutenant. Don't look so unhappy, Rick. He was going to kill you. Oh, I'm not unhappy. I I'm just sore that I didn't have time to take the gun out of my pocket. I ruined a darn good coat. 
The three of us went back in the house, and Otis took Christopher up to bed so he could sleep it off. Walt listened to the story as I told it to Elizabeth. She cried a little and thanked me with her eyes. Walt went downstairs to clean things up, and I sat by her bed and until she went to sleep. She didn't even wake up when I kissed her goodbye. <laughs> oh, I guess it was better that way. I said goodbye to Walt and Otis and headed for 975 Park Avenue. I was late, and my face could use a mile of bandage. I hoped Helen wouldn't mind. Yes? Oh, my goodness. Hello, Francis. Tell Miss Asher I brought a car back. Oh, how bad a wreck was it, sir? Give me a glass with a backbone, will you, Francis? Yes, sir. Right away, sir. And Miss Asher's in the study. Ah, oh, thank you. Goodness. Thank you. Hi. Well, it's about... Oh, Rick, not again. Mm-hmm. Your poor little face. Yeah, my poor little face. Well, you just stretch out on the couch and I'll get you a nice tall drink. Francis is already on his way. Oh. Feel better? Yeah, oh, yes. Got a pillow? I'll hold your head up. How's this? Mm-hmm. Like some music to go with it? Sure. Turn on the radio. You comfortable? Mm-hmm. How about you? Uh-huh. That music sounds like San Francisco. Remember the top of the mark? Yeah, fun too. Mind if I turn off the light? The glow from the fire is enough. You're cute. Better? Much. The snow is snowing, the wind is blowing, but I can weather the storm. Why do I care how much it may storm? I've got my love to keep me warm. Mm -hmm. Me. I can't remember a worse December. Just watch those icicles fall. What do I care if icicles fall? I've got my love to keep me warm. I like your singing, too. Off with my overcoat, off with my glove. I need no overcoat, I'm burning with love. My heart's on fire, the flame grows higher. So I will weather the storm. Why do I care how much it may storm? I've got my love to keep me warm. Oh, that was nice. Hey, why did you turn the radio off? This is nicer. Come here, Rick. Oh, honey. Honey, you're reading my mind. Here's your drink, Mr. Diamond. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> You have just heard the fourth of a new series, Richard Diamond, Private Detective, starring Dick Powell, 
Helen was played by Virginia Gregg, Lieutenant Levinson by Ed Begley. Also in our cast were Wilms Herbert, Betty Moran, Jay Novello, Jack Edwards, and Tal Avery. Music was under the direction of David Baskerville. Richard Diamond is written by Blake Edwards and directed by William P. Rousseau. Even here in America, we're liable to have a few misconceptions about freedom. Many of us regard it as an outright gift with no strings attached. Well, that isn't quite so. All of us have received a heritage of liberty, a legacy of freedom forged in other days. Remember that the liberty you enjoy is a precious legacy, a legacy that can be lost through disuse. Don't ignore freedom. Work at it. For freedom is everybody's job. Now, this is Eddie King inviting you to be with us again at the same time next week when we will again bring you Dick Powell as Richard Diamond, Private Detective. This program has come to you from Hollywood. This is NBC, the national broadcasting company. Detective. My name's Diamond, and like a lot of working people, at five o'clock in the afternoon, I get pretty anxious for six o'clock to roll around, especially if I haven't had a client for the last three days. But even if I don't expect anyone to drop in before six, I can't take a chance, so I stare out of my office window on 53rd Street just to kill time. I see the night starting to bustle in on the Broadway bright lights, and I wonder just how many prospective clients are out in the city. Who's getting in trouble? What kind of trouble? And will they come to Richard Diamond for guidance? Now, take the two hard-looking thugs in the downtown hotel room as they watch a pretty blonde hurriedly get into a flashy mink coat. They're going to need plenty of guidance. Where you going, Dottie? I got an appointment. Uh, don't you think you ought to stick around just in case the contact comes in? If it ain't here by now, it won't be until tomorrow. And stop looking like a couple of anxious bloodhounds for that. Sure, Dottie, sure. Uh, but you really cannot blame us for being a little disquieted. <laughs> don't she look classy, Al? Hey, who are you going to roll tonight, doll face? Your grandmother. Oh, ain't she out of Alcatraz yet? I, I don't like no cracks about my family. Well, what are you going to do, Stan? People stop by the zoo every day. Yeah, please, no agamity. Yeah, no agamity. Yeah. You keep running off at the mouth like that, baby, you'll be spitting out all your teeth. Yeah, well, when you kick off, then don't try to sell your body to science. I'll never get both heads in that box. Oh, you love me. Please. Please. I'm, I'm going to hit. Please. Please. Leave us, Dottie. And, Stanley, you shut your big mouth before I shove my foot in it. Please. Go on, Dottie. I think you had better make a hurried calculation. What? Beat it. Down. Oh, Al, why didn't you let me mess her up a little? She's always acting like she's got a family background. I do not know whether her family had anything to do with it, but it is a very nice background to gaze at. Now shut your ugly face and let us start tailing her. Yeah, tailing her? What for? I think she is up to something. Yeah, well, sure she is, but I don't want to get booked as a peeping Tom. <laughs> Stan, you are a melonhead. I think she's going to try a cross. Florida has not never been late with the numbers before. Yeah. You think she's going to pick up the bundle and skip? No. 
I just want to see what she does with her evenings. Oh, well, I can tell you that. Stanley, please. You arouse my irascibility. Oh, I'm sorry, Aloysius. Evening, Glenda. Oh, hello, Horace. Times. You look tired. Hard day at the office? I stayed home. My wife's well. Mm. Here's the Times. Yeah, thanks. Good night, Glenda. Good night. Papers. Evening papers. Have you got a late edition? Why, yes, right here, dearie. You got it? Yeah, it's in the purse. Put it down on the counter and look through the paper. Okay. Paper. Evening papers. What do you want me to do with the purse? Keep it till I meet you at the train. Sure, honey. It's good to be working again, ain't it, Dottie? I gotta go. They usually got a tail on me. I'll see you tomorrow morning. Relax. We're in the chips. Paper! Evening paper! Uh, paper, sir? No, but I will take that purse. Purse? Oh, why, that nice young lady must have left it on the counter when she looked at the paper. Please, just extend your agent index and shove it over here. Why, I can't do that. It belongs to that young lady. Oh, look, it would make me very unhappy to have to shove all those nice old wrinkles around, but I am in need to possess one patent letter handbag. Now, if you will kindly move it to my approximate latitude, you'll back we can dispense with... Why, you poor excuse for a low-brow gunnet. Man. But you think I'd wrap a leg sack across your flat head? Hello, Glenda. Hello. How's the business? Oh, Officer Quine. Aren't you on a little late? (laughs) Yes, uh, I've been changed to the six o'clock beat. Well, good evening, sir. Uh, yeah, lovely. Uh, good evening, officer. Say, haven't I seen you somewhere before? Uh, hardly. I reside in Flatbush. Well, thank you, Mother. I do not see anything I want. Uh, goodbye. <laughs> he doesn't see anything he wants. What does he think you're running? Like a, a drugstore there? <laughs> hey, Al, I saw a cop. Mm, I am proud of you, Stanley. Huh? Now let us hurry around this corner. What do you think, Doc? The old dame are cooking up something together? Stop here so we can watch the old dame. Stanley, to put it in your words, yeah, I think they are cooking up something. Oh, you figure she slipped the old girl the numbers? Your perception astounds even my astute. Hey, observe. Oh, yeah. Your grandma is taking off and leaving the cop behind to watch the papers. Yeah, she's going in that building. She has got the face. Stanley, yeah. stay here and await my return. Okay, but uh, my feet are beginning to hurt. Go in a drugstore, purchase some Blue Jays. I shall be right back. With the face. Mr. Diamond. Well, hello, Glenda. Come in, pull up a rocking chair. Well, that's the way it begins. Sometimes when you wait around until the last minute, you get a customer. I wasn't too happy about this one because I knew she didn't have enough money to hire a tramp to spot cigarette butts. I haven't got much time. I've got Officer Quine watching my paper stand. Officer Quine? Hmm. You should be happy you aren't selling fruit. He's already got his thumbprint and every apple in Yonkers. Mr. Diamond, I found this purse. Ah, found it, Glenda? Oh, you know me, Mr. Diamond. I'm going straight now. I remember a snake that said that once. He broke his back. Honest, I haven't been doing that kind of business since I got out. Well, what can I do for you, Glenda? I'm broke. Oh, it's not a touch. 
I want you to find the owner of this purse and return it. Why don't you give it to Officer Klein? Well, there's no money in it. And with my record, he'd sure run me in for purse snatching. No money, huh? Oh, no. No, I didn't touch a thing. Just a... Took a peek, maybe. Oh, yeah. The young girl left it on my counter. If you find her, you can ask her. I didn't touch a thing. Okay, I'll see what I can do. Oh, thank you, Mr. Diamond. Goodbye. Keep your nose clean. Oh, I will. She'd keep her nose clean, all right. And a glass of gin. I'd known old Linda ever since she started working bunco rackets and got put away for two to five. I was sure she'd lifted the dough from the purse, but I opened it and went through it anyway. I was just kicking myself for telling her I'd try to dig up its owner when the door opened and an ugly-looking mug wearing alligator spats walked up to my desk. You should be ashamed looking at someone else's purse. It's a bad habit, like not knocking on doors. Oh, it said on the door to come in. How long did you have to wait before someone came by to read it to you? May I please have the purse? Oh, is it yours? Yes. Now, I didn't notice the wedges. Give up high heels. You are a very poor comic. Now, may I have the purse, or must I make you bleed? Oh, oh, it's like that. Well, sure, here it is. Thank you. And something to go with it. I caught him with one that made my arm feel good clear up to my shoulder. His eyes rolled back, and he went down faster than the celluloid collar on the flagpole. I looked at the black purse and started getting that lousy feeling again. I'd gotten into something, and it was beginning to smell already. So I called the 5th Precinct Police Station and an old friend, Lieutenant Levinson. Homicide, Sergeant Otis. Hello, Otis. Let me talk to the lieutenant. Is this Diamond? No, it's platoon number three of the Brownies, 300 strong. Now let me talk to the lieutenant. Hey, what are you going to do with all those tired jokes and you run out? Give them away to idiots. You want to start a collection? Hello, Walt. Diamond. Oh, wait a minute. Otis! Otis! Where'd you put the bicarbonate? Oh, hold it a minute, Rick. Give me some water, Otis. Go ahead, Rick. I can stand it for a second. If you didn't get so excited, you wouldn't have to take that stuff. Yeah, Never need this stuff until you call. Now, who's dead? Uh, nobody, but there's a guy in my office lying on the floor. He's dead. No, he isn't, Walt. I just belted him in the mouth when he tried to get rough. Uh, wait a minute, wait a minute. He's trying to wake up. Groan for the nice policeman. Oh. You hear him, Walt? Okay, so some guy got tired and went to sleep on your floor. What do you want me for? Uh, hold it a second, Walt. He's getting a little too active. What'd you do? I kissed him goodnight. What did you do that for? Well, I've seen him somewhere. I think he's wanted. Oh, well, hang on. I'll send the wagon down. The door will be open. I'll fix it so he doesn't get away. Wait a minute, Rick. Where are you going? Well, about five minutes ago, an old dame hands me a black patent leather purse and asks me to find the owner. Right afterwards, this cultured gorilla wanders in and says the purse belongs to him. Oh, what's in it? Nothing much. A compact, book of matches, and a handkerchief. Hmm, smells nice. No money? No. So, uh, i got to stop by Helen Ashes for a minute, and then I'm going to find out what makes this purse so valuable. Uh, say hello to Helen for me. Sure thing. Bye, Walt. Be a good boy. Goodbye. I got a rope out of my desk that I hung my socks on when I had time to wash them and tied the sleeping Garniff to a chair. I didn't know much about pocketbooks, but I knew someone who did, so I headed for 975 Park Avenue and a beautiful redhead named Helen Asher. 
Oh, good evening, Mr. Diamond. Good evening, Francis. Is Miss Asher in? Yes, sir. She's in the study. Shall I announce you? No, just dig up something that'll get me back on my feet. I'll let myself in. Yes, sir. Uh, Mr. Diamond. Yes, Francis? If you'll pardon me for saying so, sir, I just love the way you talk. Well, thank you, Francis. Eaton, 98. Majored in Sloyd. Oh, oh, my goodness, you're pulling my leg again. Anyone home? Rick, you got here. Hi. Hi. Well, since when did you start carrying a purse? Like it? Matches my complexion. You idiot. Take a look. Whose is it? Mm, got to find out. It's worth something. One guy already tried to get it the hard way. Cigarette? Well, thanks. It's got some initials on it. D.K. There's nothing valuable in it. I know. That's what I can't understand. Can I match? Here's some in the purse. Thanks. Here. Hmm. Adams Hotel. Flophouse with sheets. Compact's never been used. My darling. Well, thanks. Oh, the perfume and the handkerchief, silly. It's my darling. Oh. Ah, oh, don't look so hurt. So are you. Well, come here. <laughs> Here's your drink, Mr. Darrow. Oh, my goodness. Oh, that's all right, Francis. I was just trying to convince your boss we should take in the wrestling matches. Why, Francis, you're blushing. Oh, pardon me. Miss Asher's residence. Yes, sir. One moment, sir. It's for you, Mr. Darrow. Oh, thank you, Francis. I'll see if the dinner is ready, Miss Helen. Hello? You get right down here. What? Lieutenant Levinson. Get down here to the station, Diamond. You're in trouble. Diamond? Wait a minute. Slow down. Not dead, huh? My stomach starts getting back to normal, and you have to knock some guy off. Knock some guy off? I don't know why I should waste time on explanations. I ought to just send notice over there with the wagon, but I like your girlfriend too much. What are you babbling about? I thought you said the guy in your office was still kicking. What? Yeah, somebody made a punchboard out of his chest, and I like you for suspect. Now get down here. Wait a minute, Walt. Somebody shot him? Yeah. If that wasn't what killed him, he died of fright when he saw the bullets coming. Now, I'm not talking anymore until you get here. Make it ten minutes, or I'll have a warrant out for you. Oh, wow. Rick, what's the matter? Oh, that crazy Walt Levinson's got me in line for a murder rap. i got to go down and square myself. Murder? Rick! Yeah? I'll see you later, baby. But, Rick... I can't wait. I'll get back as soon as I can. If we were married, this wouldn't happen. Rick, you forgot the purse! Francis! Francis! Yes, Miss Asher? Francis, Mr. Diamond forgot this purse. See if you can catch him. He's gone to Lieutenant Levinson's police station. Yes, Miss Asher, my best. Rick just has got to stop this foolishness. He... Oh, how did you get in here? Who are you? I come in a black way, lady. Uh, where's the shaman? You get out of here. No, just just relax, baby. One yell out of you and you get hurt pretty bad. What? Uh, where's the shaman? He went down to the police station. Okay. Where's the purse? I saw him bring it in. Uh... I don't know. Oh, come on, baby. Or do I shake it out of you? You stay away from me. You... Hood. Hood? It was a person. I told you I don't know. No, stay away. Okay. But you're making it tough on yourself. Stay away. You stay away from me. <laughs> Underneath her arm, she wore... The bloody tower, 
something to do. Lock all the doors until Francis gets back, and I'll be over as soon as I can. All right. Did you get the purse? Francis will tell you all about it. Bye, Davy. Bye. Rick, some louse shoved Helen around. Francis, get over there and take care of her. It's all right if he goes, isn't it, Walt? I guess so. Otis, I'm releasing the guy that was picked up for purse snatching. And don't say yeah, Lieutenant. Okay, Rick. Oh, thank you, sir. Step on it, Francis. Miss Asher needs someone to take care of her. Yes, sir. Walt... Give me two hours to find out what this is all about. Are you going after Glenda? Yeah. If she's tied up with this killing, I'd better send some of the boys along. Give me two hours alone. I want to find the guy who shoved Helen around. Okay, Rick. Two hours and I put in a general alarm for you and the old dame. You know where she lives? 
I got a shack over near the East River. Thanks, Walt. Otis, that time and go and bring me a tablespoon of some water. And Otis, shut up. I grabbed a cab, and 20 minutes later, I was standing at the edge of the East River. The fog was rolling in, and pretty soon, it'd be so thick you could put it in bales. Below me, next to the water, was a line of weather-beaten shacks, and one of them belonged to old Glenda. You want something, Mac? Huh? Oh. Oh, I didn't see you. Uh, does uh, old Glenda live in one of those shacks? Yeah, that one. Got a match? Oh, yeah, yeah. Here, keep them. Thanks. Forget it. No, uh, wait a minute. Huh? Let me see those matches. Hmm. I've forgotten all about them. What's the matter? You collect them or something? These I do. Sorry, pal. You'll have to get some others. Okay, sporty. The inside of the shack looked like a hardware store after a good earthquake. Someone had torn it to pieces, and old Glenda had gotten the same treatment. She was lying on the wooden floor staring up at me. She couldn't close her eyes because the rope around her neck was squeezing them open. Is she dead? Huh? I followed you down. Well, hooray for you. The next time you sneak up on somebody, you'll probably end up with a skull fracture. Just wanted to see what was going on. Is she dead? Unless she can breathe through her feet. She's been strangled. Gonna call the cops? No, no. I thought I'd rub her wrists for a while. Now, here's a buck. Call Lieutenant Levinson at the 5th Precinct and tell him what's happened. Sure. Got a nickel? Yeah, here. And tell him I've gone over to the Adams Hotel on 28th Street. My name's Diamond. Good for you. Now step on it. He left in a hurry, and I reached in my pocket and took another look at the book of matches I'd gotten from the black handbag. They were from the Adams Hotel on 28th Street, so I went over there fast. The sleepy night clerk showed me the register, and I found what I was looking for. I remembered the initials on the handbag were D.K. A Dorothy King was registered in room 306. I went upstairs. Yeah? I got a message for you. Look under the door. I'm not that skinny. What is it? It's from Glenda. Oh, wait a minute. All right, the door's open. All right, now shut it and come on in. Huh? Oh, what a lovely gun. Glad you like it. What do you want? I just left Glenda. She's dead. What? Yeah, strangled. How'd you find me? Matches in your purse. They were from this hotel. I checked the initials on the bag with the register. D.K., Dorothy King, room 306. Holmes would call it elementary. You must be the show Miss Glenda gave the bag to earlier this evening. That's right. How did you know? Well, she called me. She tell you she got it back? I feel a quiet streak coming on. I usually like women who don't talk much, but right now you'd better start talking as fast as you can. Funny thing, this gun I got makes me lazy. Now get out of here. Baby, baby, I got a big fat surprise for you. Yeah? Yeah. My gun makes bigger holes than yours. Huh? What do you think I'm doing with my right hand, keeping it warm? Oh, don't give me that. You ain't got nothing but a big finger in that pocket. Oh! Surprise. Next time I make it count. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Sure. Drop it. Now, that's better. Kick it over here. All right. Please. I didn't kill Glenda. Where's the purse? I ain't got it on us. Well, who has? Now, look, baby, I'm in a bad mood. Honest, I don't know. That's right. She don't, mister. Sam! Well... You certainly know some pretty ugly company, Dottie. 
I don't know if I like that. You don't? Maybe I can word it a little different. Stanley's a private cop. He come up here and tried to shove me around. Well, you should have done it, Shamus. Would have saved me the trouble. What do you mean, huh? Why, you're no good cheap double-crosser. Al and me saw you slip the back to that old dame, and Al got killed trying to get her from the Shamus. I didn't kill her, Al. No, nah, the old dame did it. I went up to the office and found him dying. He told me she'd done it. What are you going to do? Well, the organization don't like being crossed. I got the purse from the old dame and paid her off for killing poor old Al. Now I gotta pay you off. I got a surprise for you too, Stanley. Yeah, you're trying to think you have more holes in you than a fishnet. He's got a gun in his pocket. Well, look at his pocket, wise guy. Oh, gee, I wish Al was here. He'd know what to do. Come on, shoot him. Shoot him. Stan's guy coming. Looks like it's a tie. No sense in both of us getting killed. Yeah, yeah, you you plug me and I'll nail you before I go down. Now listen to him. I think he's got a point. What are you going to do? That's up to him. Well, as Al would say... A hurried departure is in order. I'll take care of you later, Doc. Huh? Uh, goodbye, all. <laughs> it's pretty good. Al would like that. Don't let him get away. Stop him. You stop him. All right, baby. Where is he going with that purse? If I tell you, will you give me a chance to get out of town? I can't do anything about that. When I leave, you're on your own. Technically, you haven't done anything the law could hold you for. I haven't? No. But that won't stop me from pushing you around. Now, let's have the story. But Stan hasn't been there already. He's headed for a locker in the subway station at 34th Street. What's in the locker? $100,000 in counterfeit to old. Oh, baby. Counterfeit. You have been naughty. Now, Papa, we'll have to keep you on ice for the cops. Get in the closet. Oh, please, give me a break. Sorry, honey. Get in. Oh, you're hurting me. I went down to the night clerk and told him to tell Lieutenant Levinson when he got there about the blonde in the closet of room 306. The subway wasn't far, but Stanley had a head start and he was in a hurry. I ran the rest of the way. I went down the steps. The train was just pulling out when I spotted him. He'd just taken a bundle out of one of the lockers. And as he turned to go, I walked up behind him. Hello, Stanley. What? What you got in the box? The shawls. Here, you take it. Oh. He tossed the package in my face and started running for the exit. But a crowd of people blocked his way, and when he saw me come up with my gun, he changed his mind. He turned and vaulted the turnstile, and I ducked behind the row of lockers. He had a gun, too. I tried to get a clear shot at him, but there were too many people. And then the frightened little guy did a stupid thing. He jumped down on the tracks and started running up the tunnel. Oh, look at that fool man. He's jumped down the tracks. Stanley, come back here. You can't get anywhere that way. You said it, Mac. He's running uptown on the downtown side. Here's a corny line. Stop or I'll shoot. You won't get me. Stan, look out. There's a plane coming. Look out. Mr. Diamond, come in. Hello, Francis. Is Miss Asher all right? She's better, sir. She's lying down in the study. How's the jaw? Oh, I feel better, sir. This ice bag is helping the swelling. I'll be in the pantry if you need me, sir. I'll try not to. Hi. Hi. Well, poor baby. Yes. Poor little baby. You're lucky it didn't mark you out. Oh, I'll get it. Francis is nursing his face. Asher Residence. Let me talk to Diamond if he's there. He is. Rick. Mm-hmm. Now you listen to me. I've been chasing your conquest all over town. 
I end up down the subway station. I notice get stuck in the turnstile. Don't you think it'd be nice to the police department in on something once in a while? Oh, sure, sure. Right now I'm at 975 Park Avenue nursing a beautiful redhead back to health. Oh, did you find the blonde in the closet? Yeah, I got the whole story from her. You want to hear it? I guessed most of it. She was fencing for a counterfeit ring and she tried to cross them. The key to the locker was in that purse. Yeah, in the compact under the pancake makeup. She and old Bender used to do a duet together before they both got sent up. When the blonde got out, she started working for a counterfeit mob. They'd stash the dough in different subway lockers around town and use her to make the contacts. So she figured she could use the hundred thousand. Well, nothing like being in business for yourself. She was afraid to pick it up herself. So Ricky. She the like she'd just forgotten it. Ricky. Yes, dear. Are you listening to me? I just stopped. Bye, Walt. What? Now, wait a minute. What is it, baby? I want some sympathy. Sure, sure. What would you like, lover? Sing something. Oh, come on, baby. We can do without that. No, I want you to. I'm sick. An invalid should be pampered. Uh, let me rub your head or something. Afterwards. I want you to sing. Oh, but it's late, baby. Then sing softly. Sing me to sleep. Oh, honey. I'm getting mad and you'll have to buy me a present. Ah, uh, Okay. Lullaby and good night with roses be dyed. That's wonderful. With lilies be dyed. Well, what is that? Oh, it's that grouchy new neighbor. Oh, it is, huh? Hey, you want something, bud? Yeah, shut your big vice Oh, is that right? Out of your face, the wind sunshine. Oh, no! Put on a great big smile. Make up your eyes That's with laughter. You will, Lord Rick. Yeah, okay. That guy gets shell-shocked if you fried potatoes. Rick. What is it, baby? Come here. Oh. You do need pampering. You have just heard Richard Diamond, Private Detective, starring Dick Powell. Helen was played by Virginia Gregg, Lieutenant Levinson by Ed Begley. Also in our cast were Wilms Herbert, Betty Lou Gerson, Jay Morgan, Jack Crucian, I Avaback, Herb Butterfield, and Wally Mayer. Music was under the direction of David Basterville. Richard Diamond is written by Blake Edwards and directed by William P. Rousseau. Now, this is Eddie King inviting you to be with us again at the same time next week when we will again bring you Dick Powell as Richard Diamond, Private Detective. This program has come to you transcribed from Hollywood. This is NBC, the national broadcasting company. Here's Dick Powell as Richard Diamond, private detective. My name's Diamond, and I'm in business for a very simple reason. I like money. No, sure, I could do better, but I don't believe in straining myself. I might make a few bucks more, but so what? 
You work harder, your back gets weaker, and you take that extra couple of bucks and spend it for a brace to keep it from folding in the middle. No, I got a little one-room office that leans out over Broadway, and I'm very happy. Sometimes I get a case that lasts a week, a hundred bucks a day in expenses, and I make enough to pay the rent. Take my girl Helen Asher to dinner a couple of times and rest my feet on the desk like a prosperous businessman. I'm in partnership with a shill called Human Nature. And with him on my side, it just figures that people are going to get in trouble. Like the character who's ringing the doorbell of an apartment on the east side. He's built just right for more trouble than he can handle. Hello, Mrs. Moran. You say that like you're really glad to see me. I'll let you know as soon as we can talk business. Did you bring a rubber hose along? Why? Are you going to be hard to get along with? This time, yes. Where's your husband? He went out. I tried to convince him the window was the quickest way to the street, but he's old-fashioned. He took the elevator. You're drunk. You can't get a bit out of me. Want a drink? Just get the 500. I don't want to be around when your old man gets back. You couldn't afford that, could you? No, and I don't think you could either, baby. Now let's stop playing games, Mrs. Moran. I've got a big, fat surprise for you, Mac. Keep it in small bills. Isn't that funny? That's your surprise. Yeah? Yeah. You don't get the money. You get something else. Stop yelling. You'll have the whole building up here in a minute. Now be up anyway, Mac. A gunshot makes people curious. Now, wait a minute. You don't have to pull a gun. I don't have to do anything. And I'm breaking myself of one habit right now. I'm through paying your dirty blackmail. Now, you know I got my orders. If I don't collect, someone else will be around. Come on, give me the gun. Sure. A piece at a time. I need a drink. Well, here's to nothing, Betty, old girl. Extra, extra, read all about him. Matt Grayson shot to death in blackmail plot. Socialite, Betty Moran kills gangster, then takes own life. Read all about it, baby. Thank you. Oh, baby, mister? Yeah. Hey, I need a Oh, thanks. Well, the wife of William Moran kills... Well, I have to call Mr. Moran. Now, sense to lose a good source of income. Yeah, come in. Over here. Oh, it's clothesline. I, I couldn't see you. Do you always do your laundry in your office? Free soap. Pull up a chair, Mr. Uh, Moran. Uh, William Moran. Oh. Mm. Nice pair of argyles. One of my old clients. Sends them down from Sing Sing. Have you read the morning papers, Mr. Diamond? I haven't had time. I took some throw rugs down to the laundry mat before I started on the socks. My wife died last night. What did you eat for breakfast? Why, uh, Pancakes and eggs? Why? You must eat a whole pig when you're not in mourning. How did she die? She was shot to death. Could she get two people for a pyramid club? She was being blackmailed. It's usually the other way around. The victim shoots the blackmailer. She did that. 
His name was Mac Grayson. Mm-hmm. I want you to find the other man behind this blackmail ring. Oh, what makes you think there was more than one? I received an anonymous phone call this morning. It was from a man who said he was a friend of Mac Grayson. He made it perfectly clear that he was going to continue with the blackmail. You uh, know what they had on your wife? She was a very wealthy woman, Mr. Diamond. Before she married me, she was rather... wild. They get that way sometimes. There were some letters. Why don't you go to the police? As far as they're concerned, the case is closed. They say it's a murder and a suicide, and that's that. But I want to get the people who drove my wife to suicide. Okay, Mr. Moran, but if you want me to try and dig up your blackmailers, my fee is rather high. I want to start sending my laundry out. Money is no object. That's the nicest thing you could have said. A hundred dollars a day and a fifth of plasma. Plasma, Mr. Diamond? A hundred proof. I never know what I'm going to run into in a case like this. I may bleed a little. You can reach me at Evergreen 45021. I'll let you check. Here, use my pen. It's getting an inferiority complex. Do you know anything more about this man who called you this morning? No, only that he said he was a friend of Mac Grayson. Oh, there you are, Mr. Diamond. This should be enough of a retainer. Oh, yes, yes. And uh, that's all you know? I'm sorry I can't be of more help. Oh, you've been a brick. I'll get the rest from Homicide. Thank you, and goodbye, Mr. Moran. Goodbye, Mr. Diamond, and good luck. Oh, I'm sorry I knocked down some of your washing. Uh, there. Well, I'll be hearing from you. Well, that's the way it goes. One minute you're washing socks, and the next you've got enough money to stake out a claim on every night spot from Mott Street to Harlem. Unless a particular blackmail ring likes to kill private detectives. I had a hunch the assignment might run into overtime, so I put in a call to a lovely redhead named Helen Asher. Francis, the butler, answered, and I told him to pass the word along that I might be late for my day. I hung up before Helen could get on the pipe and start screaming at me like a wounded eagle. I locked the office, went down to 5th Precinct and an old friend, Lieutenant Levinson. He was in charge of the homicide detail and could tell me about the late Mrs. Moran and her victim. When I walked in, Sergeant Otis was polishing his billy. Hello, Otis. The lieutenant in? Well, Richard Diamond, the all-American gumshoe. Oh, you're just jealous because that club you've got is a better shape than your head. Lieutenant, Diamond's out here. Okay, send him in. Tell me, Shamus. How does one get to be a great big private detective? Seven box tops? Well, you have to observe things, Otis, my boy. For instance, one look at your shirt, and I can tell you've been eating well for a week. Why don't you either get it cleaned or stick it in a pressure cooker? Hello, Walt. Now, wait a minute, Rick. If you've got a body somewhere, take it to another precinct. Well, I'm a little short right now, but maybe I can dig one up. <laughs> yeah, that was a swell one. Is this just a social visit or am I a dreamer? It's about the Moran suicide. You handle it? Uh-huh. One of the neighbors called us. They're both deader than Otis on a double date. What about the Grayson guy she knocked off? Cheap thug. Couple of convictions. He... Oh, don't tell me Moran's been to you with that blackmail story. Yeah, yeah. He seems to think Grayson was working with someone. Rick, that guy pestered us all morning, but there's no proof of blackmail or anything else, except two people got killed. Give me a quick rundown. I don't know why you're interested. I think Moran drummed up the blackmail theory just to cover that his wife was running around with another man. Well, I'm interested because Moran gave me a fat 200 bucks in advance to get me in the spirit of the thing. Well, if you want to be bored, here are the photographs of the deal. Here's Mac Grayson. Mm. Bullet entered his chest just below the tenth rib. Gun was a 32. Same one that the Moran dame used on herself. Enough powder burns on the shirt to show that she was standing pretty close when she gave it to him. She'd have to be not to miss him. Well, you can see she was lying about ten feet from Grayson near the bar. Huh? Probably needed a stiff shot before she knocked herself off. 
That's the highball glass on the floor near her head. And that's the thirty-two she used, about six inches from her right hand, and only her prints on it. Powder burns on the girl? Sure, all over her temple. We did the paraffin test on her hand, too. She fired the gun all right. Did uh, Grayson have any friends? We never tied him up with anyone except an old wino that hangs out on Skid Row, a dump called the Parry Club. Name's Wilbur Truitt. Mm-hmm. Now... Well, thanks, Walt. Now, look, the dame killed the guy and then shot herself. What more do you want? I'll let you know. Wait a minute. I know that gleam in your eye. I always get a sour stomach from it. You've got something you'd better tell me. Oh, you're a cynic, Walt. Have you, uh, have you talked to this Wilbur Truitt? We questioned him this morning. Got a tail on him? Sure, but he won't take us anywhere. Now, what are you cooking up? Well, maybe you think there's something to Moran's blackmail story. Oh, don't be an idiot. Then what are you tailing Truitt for? Because I can't take a chance. Blackmail's a federal rap, and if Moran keeps stirring up trouble, I want to be able to prove he's nuts. Now, you look here. I want to know what's on your mind. I'll send you a letter. Oh. Otis. Yeah, Get me my bicarbonate. And shut up. Bye. Goodbye. I went through the squad room and out into the hall. I used the payphone for the door and put in a fast call to my client, William Moran. I had a hunch, and Moran's $200 retainer in my pocket gave him an A priority on it. Yes? Mr. Moran. That's right. This is Diamond, Mr. Moran. I've got a lead on someone who knew Mac Grayson. That's fine, Mr. Diamond. Who is it? A guy who hangs out on Skid Row named Wilbur Truitt. Ever heard of him? No. Oh. Well, he might have been the one who phoned you this morning. I think I'll go down and find out. Good, good. You'll keep in touch, won't you? Oh, as long as I'm on the case... Goodbye, Mr. Moran. I left the 5th Precinct and headed for Skid Row. If you've never seen the street, it's a liberal education in the misery of human beings. Even the sun winds up with a hangover if it shines on the place too long. The Parrot Club was a cellar with a low ceiling and a drink of wine for 10 cents a glass. The smell of stale alcohol was so strong that if you opened the the door to air the place out, the walls would probably cave in. I found Wilbur Truitt sitting at the bar with a dirty towel around his neck. He held the towel and the glass of wine in one hand, and with the other he pulled the towel, lifting his hand and the glass up to his mouth. (sighs) You must have been an engineer. I learned this little stunt in grammar school, bucko. I started missing my mouth 30 years ago, so I used this towel as a sort of alcohol pulley. It cuts down the element of risk. Hate to spill a drop. You know a guy named Grayson? It's the shakes, bucko. I am completely exhausted after a night of revelry, and my hand waves like it was flagging down a caravan of whiskey trucks. Look, friend, But uh... after one or two pick-me-ups, I am perfectly capable of lifting the glass by myself. And come nightfall, I'm in excellent condition to entertain my little friend. Oh, swell. Most cowards let the little fellows frighten them, and they end up in Bellevue, but I like them. They worried me at first, but when they found out how much I drank, they began to show the strain, and the shoe was on the other foot, so to speak. Oh, no. They tried to frighten me the first night, but I just kept right on with one bottle after another, and it finally drove them to drink. 
Now, my DTs have hallucinations. We are rapidly building up a thriving community. What were you saying, Buffo? Uh, something about the evils of self-indulgence, but I've forgotten now. Good. In that case, I will let you buy me a drink. No, sure. Waiter, bring a bottle. You just gave me cold chills. If I lick your hand, it's only a sign of fond endearment. Okay. Now, uh, do you know a guy named Grayson? I knew there was a catch. Are you a cop? No. In that case, I trust you. Besides, you are holding this lovely bottle. What about Grayson? First, a small glass of truth serum. First, Grayson. I can't stand to look, so I will turn my back on the bottle and tell you what I know. Mr. Mac Grayson... A very unsavory character who reached a sudden demise last evening, dealt in smutty pasts and made them pay off by milking his victims. He has only one friend, a Mr. Leo Fink. Now, please, I'm beginning to spit out wads of cotton. Where does this Fink live? Oh, you are indeed a heartless role. I was once. You aren't by any chance a spy from the Purity League? You get the bottle when I find out where Leo Fink lives. Eleven... 22nd Avenue, now, please. Now, here you are. <laughs> Don't struggle with the cork, Bucko. I have just acquired the strength of an uncropped Samson. And as I gaze upon this ruby goblet, I am reminded of the fact that you are not the first to come seeking the whereabouts of one Leo Fink. Huh? Play it back in English. Ah, a thug with the disagreeable habit of twisting my ascot. Approached me not ten minutes before you came in seeking the same information. Did you give it to him? I had to. One more pull on my tie, and dissipation would have been a thing of the past. Thanks, Walter. Here, buy yourself another jug. Oh, bless you. And good morrow, cousin. Here's to my love. Oh, true apothecary. Thy drugs are quick. Thus, with a kiss, I die. I left Wilbur with his first love and walked out on the street. I grabbed the cab and headed for Leo Fink's address. All the way over, I kept thinking how wonderful fresh air really was. When we finally got there, I paid off the cabbie and looked at my watch. It was 4.30 and the city was turning soft and mellow as the sun started giving up behind the tall buildings. I got that lousy feeling again when I looked across the street. A power car was parked at the curb, and it looked like Homicide's private limousine. Something was wrong. I went up to Fink's apartment in a hurry. Yeah? Ah, uh, what do you want, Shamus? Well, good afternoon, Sergeant. I'm taking the census. How long ago did you die, sir? Very funny, Diamond. Otis, who is that? Diamond, who else? I didn't ask for a quick quiz on well-known personalities. Let him in. Yellow to Shame on you, Otis. You'll never make an Eagle Scout. Hello, Rick. What do you want? I'll bet he's dead. You'll bet who's dead. You know who's dead. Sure, I know who's dead. Who do you think is dead? The guy I came up here to see. Well, who did you come up to see? Well, I think it's the guy who's dead. Don't you know? No, I ask you. Well, I'm telling you. You told me nothing. Look, why are you up here? Because I'm looking for a guy. What guy? I think it's the guy who's dead. Who's dead? Oh, he's on third. Don't you know? I think I know, Lieutenant. You shut up. Of course I know. Well, all right, all right. If you're going to hold out on your old power. Wait a minute, wait a minute. How did we get into this thing? Oh, this. Here's your bicarbonate. All mixed. 
All right, now let's start again. Walt, who's dead? Oh, let's not have two bodies up here. The guy's name is Fink. Leo Fink. Uh, why did you say that in the first place? Because I don't have to do anything I don't want to do. Walt, Lieutenant Levinson. Now, what are you doing up here? Oh, I came up to see Leo Fink, that's all. Well, he's in the other room. If he spills anything, don't believe it. He's been dead for ten minutes. That's too bad. He knew Mac Grayson. Yeah, how did you find out? That sweet old gentleman you sent me over to, Wilbur Truitt. Oh, you got something out of him, huh? What else did he tell you? Nothing, but we uh, struck up quite a friendship. I'm going to go back over and see what another bottle of wine will do to his memory. I'd better haul him in. Well, don't do it, Walt. Don't do it. I can find out things a lot quicker. I got a system. Okay, but keep me posted. I've got to clean up here. How did Fink get it? Two bolts in the head. No idea who gave it to him. They used a Luger, I think. Hey, have you questioned Otis? Oh, go on. Get out of here. Walt, tell me, did you check the prints on that highball glass next to Mrs. Moran to find out whether they were from her right or left hand? Now, what difference does it make? I'll let you know. Now, you wait a minute. No, I can't. I'm behind schedule now. Bye. Oh, Otis! I went downstairs in a hurry and started back to Skid Row and Wilbur Truitt. I turned a corner and had a quick change of heart. That's far enough, Seamus. Wow. Oh, look what I picked up. All right. Get into this alley. Now, why don't you put that cannon away? It shows up like a pair of gums at a dentist convention. Turn around and get going. I can run if it would help. Take your time. You haven't got too much of it left. Stop nudging. You got a cold barrel. Don't you like it? No, but it helps. (laughs) A lesson in the man out of self-defense. Next time, don't get so close with a gun. Well, what do you know? A Luger. Okay, so I'm a butterfingers. You got the gun now. What are you going to do? I got a mean streak, and it shows up when someone tries to kill me. I'm going to ask a couple of questions, and if you don't answer them, you'll wish you'd picked on an octopus. Now, get up. Oh, you're a big one. Now, who sent you after me? I don't know. Who sent you after me? Honest, I don't know. Oh, wait, wait a second. All right. The guy told me on the phone his name was Jones. Sure, first name's John. Now, wait, wait. I, I know it's a phony, but he was recommended. You get paid for your work, don't you? Yeah, but this one I collect after the job. Where? I thought you'd gotten over that stubborn streak. Okay. Uh, the 8 o'clock ferry to Staten Island. He's going to slip me two bills. And you don't know his right name? No. Did you know Mac Grayson? Um, I heard of him, but I never met him. Are you as handy with a thirty-two as you are with that Luger? Huh? Forget it. Next question. Who killed Leo Fink? Oh, that's a pretty big one. Okay. I'll word it differently. Who killed Leo Fink? I'll take the beating. Yeah. Well, I got a hunch this Luger of yours will check the ballistics. Come on. Homicide's still up in Fink's apartment. No, it's... What did you say? Okay. I hustled Louie up to Walt and left him handcuffed to Sergeant Otis. They deserved each other. Louie said he was going to be paid off at 8 o'clock, and my wife said it was a quarter after 7. That gave me 45 minutes to check at Homicide and still catch the ferry to Staten Island. The fingerprint man at the 5th precinct put the prints from the highball glass under a microscope and told me what I wanted to know. My hunch had been right. So I grabbed a cab, and 20 minutes later, I was paying for my ticket at the ferry landing. A thick, wet fog was beginning to roll in off the river, and by 8 o'clock, it was hard to even see your watch. 
Someone was playing a piano in the lounge as the ferry began to move slowly across the river. I didn't know who I was looking for, but I figured if there was going to be a payoff, it would be outside. I leaned against the rail and took out a cigarette. Got the match, mister? Huh? Yeah, yeah, right here. Thanks. Lousy night. Yeah. He wasn't my man. When he struck the match, I could see his dirty work clothes and his factory badge. I started down the other side of the boat. Finding a killer in that fog was like looking for your car keys in a mine shaft. I reached the bow of the boat, and right then I knew I was about to score. I get a tight feeling in my stomach when I start closing in on danger. I spotted the dark outline at the rail, so I pulled my hat down and walked up beside him. He was hunched over with his arms resting on the rail. Terrible night. Mm Mm-hmm. It'd be awful if you had to find someone in this fog. Not if he found you first. Uh Yeah. I like the name Louis Osgood. Have you heard of it? I like the name Moran. William Moran. Who are you? Just an employee. Diamond. Hey, you get a gold star. Well, what do you want? Uh, Have you found the blackmailers? Now, stop playing Alice in Wonderland. I just pushed around your hard gun at Louis Osgood. He had enough to say to put you away for a long time. Couldn't have. He didn't know. Didn't know your name? Who murdered your wife? You or Louis Osgood? Why do you say murder? The police said it was suicide. Well, I got news for you, Buster. Homicide just changed its mind. I checked and found out that the highball glass near her head was covered with prints from her right hand. What does that prove? It proves that to take her own life, she'd have to have fingers a foot long. The prints on the gun were also from her right hand. You're going to tell me that your wife shot herself while holding a highball glass in the same hand? That's not my problem, Mr. Diamond. Well, I think it is. If Louis Osgood didn't shoot her, that leaves just one suspect, you. Now, let's take a walk back to the cabin. I want to keep an eye on you for homicide. All right. This is where I leave you, Mr. Diamond. Hey, come here! I hadn't thought he'd make a break, but as long as he had a gun and knew how to use it, I could understand why he did. I got my gun out and took off after him. I expected him to go over the side and in the fog, and he'd have a good chance. But when a guy gets cornered, he does funny things. I never would have spotted him. But he threw open a door and framed himself in the light from the inside. I must have caught him because I saw him start to fold and stagger through the door. I took my time getting there. A wounded man with a gun can get pretty mean sometimes. The door swung back and forth with the motion of the boat, and I could hear the sound of the engines. He'd gone down in the engine room, so I dropped to my knees and went in after him. A long, polished ladder led down to the big diesel's blow, and I knew I'd hit him with the first shot because there was a bright red trail of blood leading down the ladder and behind the churning machinery. Moran! Moran, come on out! You can't get out of here. Come and get me, Diamond! I don't like being slapped around, and I'm going to see that you get yours! He was somewhere off to my left and keeping himself hidden. A catwalk circled the engine room, so I pulled an old stunt. I took a wrench off the wall and tossed it down the metal ladder. I watched for his gun flashes, and when I spotted his position, I got down on my stomach and crawled along the catwalk until I was directly over his head. He was sitting in a lot of blood, and he didn't look like he had long to go. Come on, Simon, I know you're down here. Surprise, look at the birdie. What? Don't try it. Sorry, Moran, but this just wasn't your night. You want to tell me about it? Yeah, I shot my wife. I came in just after she shot Grayson. She was standing at the bar with her back to me, mixing a drink. She dropped the gun by Grayson's body, so I picked it up and shot her. Wiped my prints off and put hers on it. Why did you do it? I hated it. 
She had money. I found some letters and turned them over to Mac Grayson, the well-known blackmailer. I wanted him to drive her crazy until she drank herself into a sanitarium, and then I'd have her money. I never guessed she'd kill Grayson, but when I did, I saw a chance to kill her and make it look like suicide. You should never have called me. The police were satisfied. I had to find Leo Fink. He knew I'd hired Grayson, and he was going to blackmail me. So when I dug up the little wino that knew Fink, you hired Louis Osgood to bump Fink and me. Is that right? Hey, hey, Moran. Oh, well, it was a dull conversation anyway. Lousy night. The captain came and helped me carry him up to the deck. Back at the ferry landing, I called Walt Levinson and told him the whole story. I didn't wait around. I just hung up in the middle of his lecture on good behavior and started walking. A stiff breeze was kicking up and pushing the fog back where it came from. After a good round of murder, a guy likes to relax. And I knew just the place to curl up and get my fur brush. I grabbed a cab and headed for 975 Park Avenue. And the only girl in the world who looked better than her $10 million bank account. Good evening, Mr. Diamond. Hello, Francis. Is Miss Asher in? Yes, sir. She's in the library. Thanks. Get me a glass of milk, will you, Francis? Milk? Oh, yes, sir. Right away. Hey, that's a B-flat. Where have you been? Sailing, sailing over the rounding main. Move over. You were supposed to have been here at 8 o'clock. Oh, what's an hour if you tack it on to the end of the evening? Well, I'm glad you've been keeping out of trouble. I can't stand it when you wander in all beat up. Mm. You smell nice. What kind of cologne is that? Gunpowder, 38. What? Oh, nothing. What's this you were playing? Oh, a new song. Again. You were just dandy. Well, you know I don't play well. I just pick. You should be glad you don't play the guitar with those beautiful nails you'd saw it in half. <laughs> You're ridiculous. Oops. Oh, that wasn't a B-flat. Rick. Mm hmm. Who do you love? I won't tell. Rick. I love you, baby. Then let's get married. Uh, hey, these are pretty good lyrics. Now stop that. Again. This couldn't happen again. I hate you. This is that once in a lifetime. This is that moment divine. What's more, this never happened before, though I have waited a lifetime for such as you to suddenly be mine. No comment? No. Mine to hold as I'm holding you now and yet never to part. What's the matter? Don't go. You want to sing? Go ahead. Well, what did you have in mind? I won't tell. Uh, not being original, that's my line. Well, I'm mad. Come here, come here. No. Come here, huh? Mm. Helen. Mm. Still mad? No. Mm. Well, let's get you mad again. It's so much fun making up. <laughs> Mine again. What's the name of the song again? <laughs> it never happened. Again. Oh, good. Here's your milk, Mr. Diamond. 
Oh, my goodness, you never warned me. You have just heard Richard Diamond, Private Detective, starring Dick Powell. Helen was played by Virginia Gregg, Lieutenant Levinson by Ed Begley. Also in our cast were Wilms Herbert, Tal Avery, Herbert Butterfield, and Jack Petruzzi. Music was under the direction of David Baskerville. Richard Diamond is written by Blake Edwards and directed by William P. Rousseau. Now, this is Eddie King inviting you to be with us again at the same time next week when we will again bring you Dick Powell as Richard Diamond, Private Detective. This program has come to you from Hollywood. Now, NBC brings you a three-way cavalcade of grand comedy with Phil Harris and Alice Faye, Fred Allen and Henry Morgan, all following in fast succession over most of these NBC stations. This is NBC, the national broadcasting company.